Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 33 of Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to be reading from Revelation 1, verse 9 and 10. And it says there, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And I'll stop reading there. Now we've been going through verse 9, looking at each phrase and commenting as we go along. And we're at the point where John, who is being moved by God to write these things, says that he is our brother, companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom, and patience of Jesus Christ. And last time we looked at the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and how each one who is saved by God are citizens of that kingdom. And at the point of salvation, we are granted entry into the kingdom of heaven, yet we still must wait uh, for the uh, conclusion of all things, for God to destroy this world and recreate a new heaven and new earth in order for us to enter in that sense in our uh, new resurrected bodies and souls as one whole personality. We must wait for God to bring that to pass but we we have fellowship with all believers. We are partakers, yes, of the tribulation, of the hardships and, and the difficulties of living the Christian life. But also, we are partakers with one another of the glories of the kingdom of heaven. The fact that we have a, a citizenship that we have been chosen by God based on nothing of ourselves, only by his good pleasure. And according to uh, his graciousness, we have been chosen to receive the kingdom of heaven. And and God has uh, given us the down payment, the earnest of that with the Holy Spirit. And he will complete it. He will finish the thing that he has started in the life of each one of his elect. And, and, and so we are greatly privileged and blessed to uh, be a partaker of the kingdom of heaven. And notice John includes in this statement, as the Lord moves him further, to say that he is a companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And uh, this is an interesting way that, that it's put to be a partaker in the patience of Jesus Christ. And, you know, the Bible makes a statement and perhaps we can understand it a little bit better. But let me read it first in Luke 21 in verse uh, 19. And this is the chapter in which the great tribulation and the end of of the world judgment day is in view and it says 
in Luke 21, beginning in verse 17, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And God is letting us know. He's revealing to us that in that time, in this time that we're living, in the time that we have just lived through the Great Tribulation, and now in these days after the Tribulation, that there will be um, hatred towards the true believers, the hated of all men for his name's sake. And, and again, remember the word of God and Christ and, and his name are all synonyms, all synonymous statements. So if we're hated as a result of holding to, adhering closely to the word of God, that's the same as being hated for his name's sake. But God says, really, he, he's stating, don't worry, but don't be anxious, don't be troubled. And that's why he says, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. He's letting us know that no matter how many hate us, no matter who they are that despise us, whether it be the church or it be the world or it be a combination of both, and whether it be those that once stood side by side with us, and and seemingly in agreement, no matter who they are, how many they are. Don't worry, because not a hair of your head is going to perish. They cannot harm, in any sense, the elect people of God. Well, yes, people can do physical harm, and they can persecute and afflict um, while we're in this world, but can anyone take away our citizenship, our membership of the kingdom of heaven? Can anyone remove us from that glorious uh, inheritance that God has granted to his people? And the answer is no. No matter what kind of attack comes against the child of God, no matter what type of assault there is, how intense and and for however long they can never harm the child of God in any real way because we have eternal life and and that can never be taken from us. Remember what the Lord said in Romans chapter eight, and then we'll come back to uh, this verse in Luke twenty one in Romans eight. It says um, in verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And all sorts of people want to lay charges against the believers. You're a heretic. You're a date setter, you're um, this and you're that, and and they want to condemn us. We we don't have the true gospel, and, and so on, just because uh, things didn't turn out 
exactly as we thought, and God brought a spiritual judgment rather than a physical judgment, all of a sudden, everyone quickly is turning against the true believers and pointing the finger and laying charges and pronouncing their condemnations and their judgments. You don't have the blessing of God. You don't have God's salvation, really, they're saying. You don't have the true gospel. All right, you you can say that. You can condemn the child of God all you want. And remember what we read a while back in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3. It is a very small thing uh, to experience man's judgment. It's a very small thing. It doesn't matter at all what man says. And believe me, God isn't condemning the child of God. God isn't condemning us because we believed his word and we trusted him as we saw the scriptures come together in an incredible way and lock in the date of May 21, 2011. God isn't condemning any true believer because out of love and great concern and a desire that others also hear that they might be saved, that we gave up a great many things and and we endured the scorn of the world and of the church for a prolonged period of time to share that message with the world. God isn't the one condemning us for that. And I, I have full confidence, as I know all God's people do. We don't sense the condemnation of God at all. As a matter of fact, I think God was well pleased and and remains well pleased that his people did um, understand these things. Remember, the wise will understand, but none of the wicked will understand. And did, to the degree that they did, proclaim these things. And, and they gave of themselves. They took up their cross. And they shared these things with the world. No, God isn't the one condemning us because of that. The world is, because the world uh, was furious that they had to uh, stop the way they were going for uh, a while and have the prospect of the judgment of God placed right before their eyes. They try everything in their power and their might uh, to avoid that. That's really, actually, when you get down to it, the whole... Uh, undercurrent of world affairs is basically uh, everything is designed and in place deep down to avoid God and to avoid the message of the Bible. And so man is occupied and busy about a great many things that are of uh, really no importance at all. And the, the one important matter was his spiritual relationship with God, and he doesn't want to deal with that. And accept on his terms with his religion and his type of gospel, but not the gospel of the Bible. And so for a while, now God, for the first time in history, brought that message, the message of Judgment Day, to the forefront of the eyes of all in the world. All the nations heard, and they didn't like it. And so they... They uh, rejoiced when nothing happened and, 
and now uh, they mock and despise. Well, that's that's the world's condemnation. The world who who denies the word of God uh, anyway. The world that mocks at the word of God anyway. They they take the opportunity to rejoice and to feel as though they were victorious. You know, there there's an interesting verse in the book of Job. And it says in uh, Job chapter 20, in verse 5, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. And what's interesting about this is that there are several places in the Bible where God seems to liken Judgment Day, this present period of time we're in, to a moment. For instance, it says in Isaiah chapter 26, in verse 20, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, Jehovah cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So there God is indicating that the indignation will be for a moment. Also, in Psalm 73, it says, and and this is that wonderful psalm where the child of God was envious at the foolish until, it says in verse 17, I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation, as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. Again, the end is joined together with that phrase, a moment. And one other place I'll look at in Psalm 30, it says uh, in verse 5, For his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So God's anger or wrath is but a moment. And and that's what Job 20, verse 5 is saying. The triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. You see, God has laid a snare, we read in Luke 21, for all the inhabitants of the earth, Isaiah 24 tells us. And, and what is the snare? Well, he opened up information from his word, and the word locked it in. It confirmed it as everything fit together so perfectly. God's people realized this has to be truth from the word of God. And so we dared to say absolutely judgment day would come on May 21 of 2011. And then the day came and nothing happened physically. We we were wrong. We were incorrect about a great earthquake. But spiritually, something did happen. And just as in the Garden of Eden, when, 
when God uh, had warned Adam and Eve that if they ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree, in that very day they would die. And then Adam and Eve did eat of the fruit of the tree. And what happened? Well, nothing physically, but they died spiritually. Yet God didn't tell them that. God didn't uh, explain that. He didn't go into detail when he stated that in the day you eat, you will die. He never said you will die spiritually. It had to be known through other scriptures and other places in the Bible. We read in Ephesians that, that mankind is dead in trespasses and sins. And then we understand, oh, God meant that they would die spiritually, but he didn't say it. Likewise, when we learn of Judgment Day, God held back intentionally in order to lay this trap and perfect snare for the world and in order to bring about a perfect, severe trial and test for those that claim to be his people, God held back the information that it would be a spiritual judgment and allowed us to think, well, we will see events take place that will be of a physical nature. And yet it was a spiritual judgment of the closing of the door of heaven. No one could ever see when that door was open. And now that it's closed, no one noticed. No one could see that. Just as when God judged the churches and removed the Holy Spirit. No one could ever see the Holy Spirit in the midst of the congregations when he was there. And no one could see the Holy Spirit leave when he departed from them back in 1988. But he did, and and uh, the elect know that through the word of God, through seeing with our understanding as the Lord uh, teaches us through his word and confirms these things in the Bible. And so the Lord set that trap of a spiritual judgment, an invisible judgment that no one could see. And of course, the natural-minded people of the world and the natural-minded people in the churches and the natural-minded people that once stood side by side as we walked together, apparently, seemingly, in, in the same understanding that Judgment Day would be May 21, anyone who is of a natural mind, that is, someone who cannot see spiritual things, they quickly concluded nothing happened, therefore it was all wrong. And the world rejoiced. They they rejoiced and the atheists rejoiced along with the professed Christian in the church. Hand in hand, the people of the world rejoiced. And God is letting us know here in Job 20, verse 5, that the triumphing of the wicked is short. Yes, they uh, apparently have won. If you look at it with uh, physical eyes, if you look at things with the natural mind, yes, nothing happened, obviously, and the world won. The church won. Didn't they say, after all, no man knows the day or hour? 
They they stated that till they were blue in the face. No man knows the day or hour. In, in, amazingly, incredibly, they were with one accord. They spoke in unison, uh, although they've never done that with any other doctrine. It, it's a absolutely mind-boggling thing that they had such clarity and such agreement that no man knows the day or hour. And I don't know why that would give anyone comfort. That ought to actually let us know that they have to be wrong because the church is never in agreement on anything and only on this. And, of course, we don't know it from based on their agreement. We know it from the Bible that they're wrong. God did reveal the day and hour of judgment, May 21, 2011, a day and hour that came and went and no one even knew it. It was a judgment of God where he began to pour out his wrath and he came like a thief in the night and the unsaved people of the world were caught unawares and have been caught ever since and yet they believe they have triumphed and they have great joy. But God says the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Now think of that. Here, God likens moment, we saw in a few verses, to judgment day. Why would he say that they're triumphing and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment or but for the time period of judgment day? That doesn't make any sense. If judgment day is to be understood traditionally, as the coming of Christ and every eye shall see him and and the world knows, oh, it's all over now. We're through. No one is thinking they triumph with that kind of scenario. No one uh, of the unsaved masses is thinking anything joyful uh, in, in that case. But in the case, in actuality, as God worked it out, only God could have arranged things so he brings the day of judgment and the world thinks it's a triumph on their part and the hypocrite is joyful when the day of judgment that moment comes it's a really uh, an incredible testimony to the word of god and and to uh, how harmonious it is that this verse fits together with everything we've been learning well uh, let's go back to luke 21 and we'll go on here in luke 21 it says in verse 19 in your patience possess ye your souls and that is telling us that in our patience we possess our souls or our salvation is to be found in our patience the the fact of our soul whether we lose our soul or or our soul lives on um, is linked to our patience oh my uh, we we never really understood how important patience is well we have to be careful god isn't telling us that our soul is dependent upon the attribute of patience, even though that that comes into play a little bit. 
But really, he's telling us that in patience possess ye your souls. And this is another way of saying that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is patience. Remember our verse in Revelation 1, 9 says the patient and patience of Jesus Christ. Remember, God identifies himself with many attributes. God is love. Christ is faith. And he is wisdom. He is righteousness. He is patience himself. He is the embodiment, the essence of what patience is. And so in him, in in his patience, we have our souls. Or in your patience, possess ye your souls. In Christ, our souls are possessed. And, and that's how we have to look at that. But we'll discuss this idea of patience a little bit more when we get together in our next Bible study.